Buster Show brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they're always open for business, making hot, fresh food 24-7. Moon. Yeah. Guess where I am? By the looks of things, you had a new place. You tell them where you are. Yeah, the new HQ downtown, Fifth Avenue. We open up on Friday. They're actually, as we speak, history is being made behind me. They're putting up the street sign. There's a big crane out there on Fifth. They're they're lifting. You see the ladder? See that? Look at that. Yeah, Look at that. I see it. People climbing up, and you got like big machinery outside. It's not big just a machinery. Ladder. Shut down the sidewalk. Uh, I went up. When did you become so important, huh? It was huh? After, I, after, after I met a certain offensive lineman, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, everything just took off in my life, aesthetically, uh, spiritually, and otherwise. <laughs> you must be talking <laughs> about our producer, Eddie, also, then, spiritually. Yeah, definitely spiritually <laughs> with Eddie. Uh, let's talk some football here. Uh, let's so do this, it. This is the first thing we'll be recording from the news studio. And... Uh, Moan, let's talk about the first rounder, whoever that happens to be. One relationship that I have always found fascinating to observe is when that first rounder makes it into the fold and how he's treated and how he reacts. It was really neat to see with Najee Harris uh, last year, at least as much as we could with the, the pandemic restrictions. Uh, and the way his teammates took to him, but the way he also kind of stayed to himself at times, made sure he didn't step on toes. Moan, yeah. take us take us through it. How is this first rounder going to come in, whoever it happens to be? Oh, who, whoever it is, man, the way they come in, man, it's almost like they're, they're, they're more wide-eyed than anybody. Like, legitimately, most of them are quiet. Most of them are trying to figure out what 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 the heck is going on. But all of us are staring at them. I'll never forget watching Ziggy Hood, our first rounder in 2009, when we were staying at the Allegheny Center, uh, you know, on, on the uh, on the north, north side, side of town. Um, I remember watching him pull up, and um, he was in this, this Dodge truck. And I just remember, like, that's that's the guy. You know what I'm saying? And one, why do you already have a vehicle? And we're still <laughs> riding team transportation. Um, but when they're in the building, I think, one, everybody wants to see them, what they look like. What is the legend of first-round pick exhibit A is? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you meet the billing of, of what they are? And, and, and honestly, it's, well, what are you going to do? You know, it's so many questions that go around that guy because you are one of 32. That's rare when it comes down to a first rounder. And and it's it's the eye test passing that. It's the, oh, they picked you. And then there's the other part where it's the veterans like, well, what are you going to do to prove to us that you belong? Because you did your thing at the other level. But with us, is when we finally hit this field, what are you going to look like to us and that is the biggest test I think of almost any draft pick except for like a high name guy that happens to fall to the second round or something like that you know what I'm saying like there are mm-hmm. those guys like man how'd yeah. you fall to the second round but the first rounder is show me I need to see something I, the, the guy off top that kind of resonates to me for sure was two guys um Marquise definitely from from the get-go you were like yep however they graded you all the people that lie to us in the mock drafts, they were right about you. His Ooh. intensity, it, it was, can, it was. Go ahead. Yeah, can I? I'm gonna finish when you finish with Marquise. Just before you, I, I want to guess the second one, but go ahead and finish with Marquise. Yeah, Marquise, the intensity, the speed, 
Um, the, the way he moved athletically, the knowledge was there from day one. Uh, all, all around him said, yep, checked every box of a first-round draft pick. I, I knew that one. So when, when we saw him on the field, it was kind of like, they got this one right, y'all. I don't know how long he's going to be here, but they got this one right as far as everything surrounding him. I got the other one, but who do you have? Brian Shazier. You know. <laughs> there is no prep on this show as far as this goes, right? DK? No, we, we're winging it just like these dudes out here. <laughs> <laughs> They're 100%. That was the second guy. Hands down that from the moment he walked in the building. What a one, presence. What, what a, a presence. presence. But the other part of, of him, though, DK, he didn't look like what I thought he was going to look like. He was a safety. He was a safety. He was a safety. <laughs> Body type didn't say he was supposed to be a first round draft pick. But when he got on the field, the way he moved, the way he uh, was a ball hawk, the way he covered tight ends was Okay, I see why you are who they said you were. 100%. And I would say the other one for sure, uh, and these are the guys that all hit, was DeCastro. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Th- th- that's another good one. Like when DeCastro came in, I never forget. It's like, yeah, somebody going to have to move out. <laughs> and truth be told, it was me at the, at the beginning. Willie tore his Achilles or ACL. No, Dave tore his Achilles in Buffalo. And However the, the world's match, no. preseason in Buffalo, oh, I remember you remember that. that. The end zone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it was, okay, somebody's got to make way. The same thing happened for Shazier. The same thing happened for Pounce. Somebody's got to make way for whatever's going to be. Bud met the billing also. TJ met the billing. Um, and and pff, Artie, not necessarily, no, you know what I'm but saying? You, but what, what, how do, when they see someone, when, yeah. when you're in that locker room and you see someone who, to use your words, meets the billing, how do they get treated? Is it something oh, like you still do you still got to you got to act a certain way? Do you got to be quiet? Like you, you brought up David DeCastro and this is going to stun a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but Dave, in his rookie season, barely spoke a word. Yeah. Uh, he thought that was not his place as a rookie, no. and he ended up becoming a pretty talkative guy, to say he the did. least. But and, and he had a hard line, too. Once he finished the rookie year, he was Mr. Chit Chat. Yeah, but he, he, was. Had, he put in some personal rule that he was going to give nothing but three word answers to us and stay there in his place. And he was the same way. And they're most for the most part, all of them are that way. It's proved that you're worth one. We know you got the money. So let's get to these duties of it. Dave bought a uh, refrigerator for the room. Um, and then it's not just that. It's the stocking of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like we're in a meetings room probably 80% of the time we're on the south side. All the, especially the first rounders, they have to make sure the fridges are full. The snacks are on point. Don't say nothing. Only do work. And when it's time for you to do work, we need to see the support of where you were drafted at. Is that the it's not a bunch of on point is killing me. Give me <laughs> give me a second here to recover. How is how on what part of the Wonderlick test do they check if the first rounder is going to be able to deliver snacks that are on point? How does this happen? Well, we better not. I'm sorry to say we want no off brands. We better get full size bars or whatever we're asking for. I don't want the Gatorades they have downstairs. Go get me the ones they have at Giant Eagle. 
You know, so it's I didn't know they had better Gatorade at Giant Eagle. I thought it was all the same. It is, but it's the certain flavors that you're going to get. Uh, we don't get those. We get orange, selection. lemon, lime, and fruit punch, okay? <laughs> we want the other selections. So there's a little bit of, uh, of cash that's got to be spent, but everybody from one to seven free agents pays their part, man. And it's all within the team concept, but specifically for the first rounders. We used to get so jealous of the linebackers, too, because we knew – their Christmas dinner was always going to be on point. Oh, man. Because I just knew. All I want is someday I want Marquise <laughs> Pouncey to be selected to the Hall of Fame. So he's standing there in that yellow jacket in Canton. And he said, you know what? The turning point for me in my career was when I went to Giant Eagle and got them the good Gatorade. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I felt, see, those are my teammates out there. They weren't clapping for anything else I said so far, but they clapped for the multi-flavored Gatorade. Yes. When we come back, we're going to do Who's the Guy all over again. And yes, we're going to make it a different guy. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. And all week we're doing this as the second segment, Who's the Guy? And conveniently and erratically enough, we're going to keep changing the guy every day because that's how these things tend to go anyway. So, Ramon, today, who is the guy at number 20 overall for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I know they're expecting me to say uh, Malik Willis again. No, absolutely not. And they probably expect me to say a wide receiver. No, again. I'm going to the SEC. I'm oh. going Devontae Wyatt, man. Guy, he's a D tackle out of Georgia. He, not the other Georgia guy. I think not the other Jordan Georgia Davis. guy is going to be gone. The other Georgia, Jordan Davis, he's going to mm-hmm. be gone by that time, I think. Or I assume he will be. Um, everything stacks up for this guy as far as his, him, him being able to play. He went to a Juco school before actually getting to uh, Georgia Hutch. Out of Kansas is is one of the biggest JUCO schools um, in in the country as far as putting guys into D one colleges and putting guys back into their you know their right position as far as being the athlete that they were. He ran a four seven in the forty. Big body guy, not super big, but this is the point about him. At, at six three three or four is what he weighed in at the combine. He can be a first, second, or third down type of guy. Meaning, it's this part too that kind of I don't say worry me a little bit, but I'm. I'm questioning, and you know where I'm going. Wherever Stefan's going to be this year. Yeah, I knew that's where you were going. You know, but it's, but it's, it's totally fair. It's, I mean, it's I, fair. We, we asked the head coach uh, yesterday at Heinz Field yeah. about, about Steph, and all we got was a no updates, you know? I mean. And they're right by doing that. 100% because Coach T is very personal when it's, when it's personal stuff on the table. You know, the business side, we can talk about the business, but this is very personal to Stefan. And so we're, they're not going to touch on it. So because of that, if, if, if we were to make a move that says, well, no, the quarterback that we want was gone. Jordan Davis is gone. You don't really need anybody on the uh, offensive line. You can go get another receiver considering Deontay's situation. However, that's going to work out. By the way, saw so a prediction for him, four years, 98 million, by the no, way, for Deontay. No, no. Hey. Not here. Not here. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Well, with, with that being said, I'm choosing defense. And I've mentioned this before as far as this defensive line. We're at the point in which we always see the Steelers transition out. Cam is still in the very, I think, part of his prime. 
if if Tyson can do what he's doing as far as his rehab, if you can get Stefan back into the fold, there's a, a couple other guys, but you got to have the new introduction of young guys and not just young guys, high pedigree young guys. We've always seen them hit, always seen them hit there. This kid out of Georgia, man, Devon, Devontae Wyatt, I think is, is a guy that fits that building of being able to, one, played high ball, played at a high caliber team. That Georgia defense, anybody that was a football fan saw oh, that yeah. and said, I hope my team is going to hold up against them. Okay? Not a whole lot of wear and tear on this body. Cam can get a guy like this, man, and, and just honestly take him under his wing and groom him to be the next whatever he's going to be for the Steelers. Wow. I mean, there is something richly attractive about having the next generation of the defensive line yeah. uh, begin to take shape in 2022. Um, there's a part of me that, that's kind of like that in the back of my head here for a while uh, from us from a purely uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Short term standpoint. Yeah. It's not super exciting because it's like, I mean, they like, they've got the guys that you mentioned, especially if Steph is back. Okay. Yeah. And you have such needs on offense. Uh, you need a wide receiver. The, the other, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but, but you also need long-term stability on the defensive line. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the franchise of Mean Joe Green. This is where it all started for mm-hmm. this team. And the other part of it is Cam plays a lot. And he needs to be spelled. Yes. Yes, he does. And because he wants he, it. He wants it. He, he does, but coaches yeah. will have to find a point. Who's going to be the next young guy to give him a break? And that's where Cam is in his, in his career now. I'm sure Cam wants to play well into the double digits, but it's going to be pick and choosing kind of how you saw Kiesel, kind of how you know you saw A. Smith, you know, kind of how you saw all those guys that came behind them. It's like third down Cam's in or second and third down is in. The way these offenses are in the league right now, they catch a, a guy like Cam who's getting older, still damn good. I will not ever say he's falling off, but if they can keep him on the field long enough to where he's getting exposed or he's getting tired and can't sub in and out, that's a bad place to be. So be at a position where you can already have the other guys. I ain't saying the next guy, the other guys with enough high, with enough pedigree to where it won't be a drop off because that's going to be key for this team moving forward, especially if they have to support this offense with a new quarterback and a new system. I have to add this before we uh, go to another break in Kansas city after the, the playoff loss, I asked Cam if he's actually just getting better with age because he's coming off what unquestionably was the best season of his career at age 32. And he smiled and said, I have to, they'd get rid of me otherwise. (laughs) When we start having that conversation, DK, what, when we start Uh, as players saying that, yeah, that you come on, They'd get rid of me otherwise. When we come back, hey, Moan. Welcome back. Time for the Hey, Moan segment. Today's comes from John Alexander. Ramon found this on YouTube, and he put in the comments underneath it, he put, DK, pin this now. Which, of course, I reached for the pin device, and there it goes. So (laughs) if you want to leave a comment 
uh, on the show. If you want to leave a criticism of the show, whatever it is that you want to do, including the Hey Moan suggestions, you can do it right there on YouTube under yes, comments. Do. You can do it on DK Pittsburgh Sports under comments. You can just send them wherever and we'll find them. This is the other part of that. It's actually us commenting and reading them. I think somebody thought it was a bot that was controlling my account, DK. I had to tell him, like, no, I'm, I'm just actually me. <laughs> Is this really Ramon? Yeah. <laughs> John Alexander says, hey, Moan, give us an idea of what it's like for an undrafted football player on draft day and the journey of getting onto an NFL roster. You, Willie Parker, and James Harrison turned out to be great players. How did NFL teams miss out on great players like you guys. Now, we already covered what it's like on, on draft day and everything yeah. else. But, but how did how do teams miss that badly? It's this part. Uh, I had a conversation, like I said, a buddy of mine that was a former scout on their list of measurements, the combine, by the way. They have a scale of where it's supposed to be, where you're supposed to land. I think for a tackle, starting tackle in the NFL, you got to be pretty much a 5-2 and better as far as 40 time. For a wide receiver, I don't think you can be no higher than a 4-6. Um, for a quarterback, probably a 5-1. And then let's go into, let's go specifically offensive lineman benching. They probably want you to have 24 more on the 25 reps. They need to, like, there is a grading scale from what I was told by a scout that says, you meet this, 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 and that, and now we'll start considering you for our teams. That's the way it goes. So let's say an offensive lineman, a tackle, runs a 5-1, benches 26 on 225, jumps a 28, does a three-cone in whatever time that is, long jump in whatever time that is, and you check those boxes. Because, again, I've always told you guys, it's not a matter of how much they like you. It's a matter it's about how much they can actually pick you apart to say, no, you're not the guy because this guy does this just a smidge better than you do. But Debo, Willie Parker. Myself? Yeah. Um, um, I mean, um, don't tell me that Debo couldn't do the Roosevelt Nix turned it into a Pro Bowl uh, yeah. fullback. There's so many other guys on that list. Isaac Redman did well for the Steelers while he was there. But these guys wouldn't have have fallen short in any of these categories. I mean, Debo, Debo could he could bench press his own car. He could, but he also had to do. I think his journey, and we would probably have to talk to him about this too. We'll have to reach out. I got a guest mm-hmm. list of folks we're going to get on this show at some point. Okay, and we'll we'll talk about this. I'm sure for him it's probably his height. I'm sure it's a little bit of his size. Yeah, he Maybe. doesn't have he doesn't have the he doesn't have the length that's generally associated with that position, and that's also why, if you'll recall, in his earliest days, he also was inside, and yep. some weren't sure if he was going to be an inside guy. And Cincinnati an tried guy. to use him like that. Remember when he went back? To yes. Cincinnati, when he went to yeah, Cincinnati, because they, because they didn't think they again they they thought the same thing that he's not going to be able to. You know, use it's crazy. It is. <laughs> that gets but, defined, but yeah. But all it takes is one or two guys to break the mold of what's acceptable. Also, mm-hmm. Dwight Freeney was a guy I think that put guys at James Harrison's height on mm-hmm. the radar to say it's all right. Now we're seeing who Chase Highsmith. He's a kid that's not super tall, but he's playing outside linebacker. Also, um, how do they miss? Is the question you're asking? Why do they miss? They they can't really measure or or judge the player meaning if they see somebody that's dogging guys out but and he fits the mold then that makes it okay 
Now, if they see somebody dogging a guy out on film, meaning beating them up on, on film, but he doesn't fit their what their times, what the benchmark says as far as being able to justify bringing them in the building, that's where you miss. Me, I knew I wasn't going to be a, a, a crazy times guy. I worked for it. I hustled for it. And I'm sure the same goes for Willie Parker. Maybe coming out of North Carolina hurt him a little bit more. I don't know mm-hmm. many uh, running backs that come out to say that's a football school. It's opened up more now because the recruits are spread out a little bit more. But they this, this is where it breaks down at. They can't measure out a guy's will. What are they willing to do to, do to survive? And all of my conversation with you about me being undrafted or my career, I told I tell it I was worried about surviving. That's not a stat line or check mark that they know to figure out when it comes to justifying a guy. A guy that survives, they probably look at, well, we'll get him in the building somehow and we'll see what he can do. But if you tell me there's a guy that runs a offensive lineman that runs a four-seven benches 26 and jumps a 32-inch vertical, he's probably going to get drafted just off of measurables because they can justify and say your tape or your 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 uh, your your testing says you should be able to do what this other guy that did the exact same things that you did. And that's where it sucks at. Now, I'm, I'm going to read this uh, to everybody here. This was from Mike Tomlin yesterday when he was pressed on what are the characteristics or traits that he looks for in a quarterback? Now, there's obvious answers that you could give there. Hey, you got to throw the ball really far and accurately and whatever else here. Listen to the answer that he gave. Uh, and this, I'm going to read the whole thing in full. He says, I think that it's the ultimate competitor's position. Those that run to and not from competition, those that embrace competition and the intensity of it and the anxiety may be associated with it, I think they have a leg up. Obviously, there are some pedigree things related to the position, arm strength and accuracy. That's evident. Either it's present or it's not. The intangible quality associated with competition, I think, is something that's valuable. This man spoke this spontaneously. Yeah. I just yeah. want to throw that in, okay? Spontaneously. But mm-hmm. again, good luck measuring it. So I'm going to – there's a, there's, a, there's a video clip of uh, Malik Willis at his pro day. Yeah. Um, at, at Liberty down in Virginia. And he throws a bomb like on the last play of the, of the session, right? And yeah. he goes – Sprinting down the field, Willis does, mm-hmm. and he's jumping up and down. And they're showing all these evaluators on the sideline, right? And they show, and you can see Tomlin. He's standing next to Kevin, and he's got a smile moan on his face that looks like the Joker. Yep. Okay, where it's like this. Yep. 100%. Why? Because he's going, oh, oh, that. The I like that. Yes. Yes, the competition of it all settles everything. But it's hard. That right there is hard to measure unless you're seeing it or you see it on film. And most of the time, guys don't overly celebrate, except if they're one of those type of guys. So, and that's I, I guess that's why I always admire Pittsburgh's ability to uh, draft too. You know, like Javon Hargraves. Like let's be real, Tyler Tyler Matakevich. The dirty red, like finding those gems out of nowhere. We're, we're talking about Temple and South Carolina State. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And then they yeah. hit dirty red is not supposed to be in the league right now, but here he is, a seven round draft pick on his second contract. Is one of the best special teamers in all of the NFL. The same thing goes for J- Javon Hargraves, one of the best 
uh, deep, deep nose tackles in the whole NFL. And at one point was the highest paid. I was going to well, say, did, he's he's making money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, three, three years, 39 million was what the Eagles gave him. Uh, if anybody doesn't recall, uh, he did really well for himself. Uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be a fun week, Moan. That's for sure. Looking forward to it. I'm you know? getting excited now. <laughs> we are, too. We're going to get back to building stuff. <laughs> this week, where NFL teams are building their rosters. Let's do it again tomorrow. Yes, indeed. <laughs>